It's so good to see all of you here. I was looking at these notes that I had scribbled. And I'm like, that. there's no scripture there. I know I had scriptures. I was looking at notes from meeting before service. <laughs> uh, praise God. I, I should also say what a great time we had in Mattawa on Monday night. Amen? There was a handful that made that trip, a good handful. And we had our first service. Uh, that I'm careful about saying that because they've been meeting uh, and coming together, having home Bible study services. But we had our first service there in a church building that we are renting in Mattawa. And uh, it was beautiful, good spirit of prayer, good spirit of worship. Brother Lewis ministered the words. Many of you saw those pictures, a couple of pictures that we sent out, a little short video there. Uh, we thank God for what he's doing there. And so we're asking you keep covering that in prayer. God's doing a work in that city, and uh, there are many souls yet to be reached. Amen? So thank you to the many who made the trip. Thank you all for praying. These are not just checklist prayers. These are waiting on the Lord and praying as the Holy Ghost leads us about each of these situations. That makes sense? When I say not just a checklist prayer, don't go, oh yeah, elder, ask us to pray about that. Lord, do it. Amen. But, but really waiting on the Lord, God, your will in this matter, your direction in this matter, and, and as the Lord would lead you in prayer about it. Amen. I'm excited by that, what God's doing there. And then lastly, this Saturday, 6 a.m., all congregation prayer. We look forward to that time together. We will combine for that, and so there will be a full house of people touching the throne room of God together at 6 o'clock this Saturday morning. I'm looking forward to that. You know, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Isn't that what they said? Teach us to pray. And of course, the Lord gave them the pattern for prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really the Lord's structure for prayer. But the first thing he said was when you pray, the structure, you should say, what? Our, our Father, right? You know what that tells me? Jesus was a believer in group prayer. Because he didn't say, when you pray, say, my Father, our. That's a group of people praying. So he's a believer in group prayer. And so this Saturday morning, 6 o'clock, we'll come together in unity, and it will affect this region and beyond. Amen. Grab your Bible, the book of Romans, please. That's where I'd like to go. Romans chapter 13. When you get there, mark your spot and turn around and say hello to somebody. Maybe two or three somebodies. If you don't know their name, tell them your name. Your wisdom, Lord. Your 
wisdom, Lord. Your wisdom, Lord. Amen. Romans chapter 13. Starting with verse number 11. We're going to look at these last four verses here in Romans 13. If you were in Mattawa Monday night, I referenced these, and they have stayed in my spirit ever since. The Lord just keeps dealing with me about this. How many of you have noticed or heard that there's something going on in the Middle East? Raise your hand. Okay, all of us. Now, I... You understand that when something's happening in the Middle East, it's significant to the world. Significant to the world. Because if there is any place that is the time clock of God, it is Israel. We've seen it again and again and again. We touched on that a little bit um, before. We see the prophetic word that Israel would again become a nation that Israel held on to for hundreds and hundreds of years that took place in 1948. Um, That happened in 1948. It was announced on at the Feast of Pentecost, something that is shared in Scripture throughout. It was a significant day. Um, And so Pentecost represents a new birth, We understand that, right? On the day of Pentecost, they were born again. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. It was a new birth. And so Israel became a nation on Pentecost, at Pentecost. And so there are so many types and shadows there. And so there's work, there's things happening right now, as you know, in the Middle East. That is not a political statement. That is a truth. And it is a spiritual statement. It is a spiritual statement. Someone said, don't you care that people are dying? Well, absolutely, unequivocally, I care that people are dying. It grieves my heart. It troubles my soul. This is why we pray. This is why we pray. Um, I do not sympathize with evil. Let me make that clear. I don't sympathize with evil. People are caught in the mix, absolutely. And, but we pray for the will and the work of God to be done. It's an interesting thing to me. Again, this isn't political. It's just our world, and we need to understand it in light of the Word of God. We find that... I was reading an article yesterday... And there are, I think there were three different nations. I'm sure there's more than that, but this article shared there were three different nations um, in South America, in Central and South America, I think all in South, South America, where the leaders of those nations were coming out and they were uh, reprimanding and rebuking Israel. Um, for their act of war and retaliation. 
Interestingly enough, all three of those leaders never said, nor have they ever said anything reprimanding or rebuking the Hamas group for the massacres, the rapes, and the murders. Even in their statements that they made yesterday reprimanding and rebuking Israel, they never once made any statement. Now, we need to understand it's spiritual. Now, I'll repeat what I said before. Do I care that people are dying? Of course I care. Someone says, well, how can you support Israel? You, you can support someone but not agree with the fact that children are losing lives and civilians are losing. You understand that? You understand that? Um, I was raised as a military kid. My dad that raised me served multiple tours in theaters of war. And civilian lives were lost. There is not a war in which no civilian lives are lost. You understand that? So I'm not condoning the loss of civilian lives. I'm telling you it's a reality of evil and the tragedy of war. But here's some things that aren't shared. Did you know that at least before this started on October the 7th, that before this started, that there were 1.6 million Palestinians living in Israel? Not, not in the Gaza Strip. Living in Israel. They coexisted. The issue with coexistence wasn't with Israel. But see, this isn't being shared. Did you know this? This isn't some unique thing I'm pulling out. This is public. Every day, prior to October the 7th anyway, every day, 500,000 Palestinians from Gaza came into Israel to work. They coexisted. Did they have to enter through checkpoints to make sure they were coming in without weapons? Absolutely. Israel was protecting. But what happened on October the 7th was people of evil conspired and broke through and committed terrible acts. And so what you're seeing happen now is the God of this world is causing leaders to turn and point the finger at Israel for actually defending and retaliating for what took place without acknowledging it was, there was peaceful coexistence. And so I think it's important to know that. Now, I said a whole lot more than I planned to say about that, but I just felt like I needed to share that so you know a little bit more. Because we'll hear all the noise. We'll hear all the noise. I, I was speaking with someone today that they tried. I knew what was happening. 
Thank God he let me know what was happening. Um, they made a statement, and they were trying to provoke me. I just, I just went on in the conversation and didn't, but I recognized it. Not because I'm all that. God, in his great grace, allowed me to recognize. They were trying to throw out a statement. They don't know anything about me. But what it was, it was the voice of the God of this world saying, let me see if I can engage in this matter and get them to. And so we should be aware. I said all of that because of what we're going to read here tonight. Okay? I'm not trying to give you a history lesson or a lecture on Israel. I said that because of what we're going to read tonight. There's stuff happening in our world. You know, Israel and Gaza are right here. If you just go a little bit further around that sea, right up here is Ukraine and Russia. It's all happening right there. You know, there's a place in Scripture that speaks of the bear or Russia coming down out of the north into the Middle East. You know, that's in the Scripture. It's getting closer. It's getting closer. The Bible tells us there will be wars and there will be rumors of wars. The Bible tells us there will be earthquakes in diverse places. There's more earthquakes happening per day than any time in the recorded history of man. We need to be aware of the time. That's why I said all of that. Okay? So let's read. All of that gives a little context. Of present day. Verse 11. And that knowing the time. That now it is high time. To awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer. Than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us, therefore, cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof." The Apostle Paul was writing to the church. He was writing to the church at Rome. And there were things happening there in Rome, obviously. And he was trying to arrest their attention. And so I want us to go back and we're going to walk through this quickly tonight. Back to verse 11. And I want you to hear his admonishment. It is not one of subtlety. It's not one of casual passing but it is one of urgency. And I feel an urgency in my spirit because of where we are and what we're seeing in our world. And Paul felt an urgency in his spirit, I believe, when he penned these words in Romans chapter 13. And he said this, knowing the time. 
He said that speaking to someone that recognized what was going on in the world. He was saying, hey, I'm not just talking to people who are ignorant. I'm not talking to people who have no clue. I'm not talking to people that have their head in the sand. I'm trying to get you to open your eyes. The word there, knowing, means to see, to perceive, to understand what's happening. He said, hey, you need to know the time. As a church of the living God, if there was ever a day and an hour which we should be in the word and be in prayer and say, God, help me to know the time. Help me to see, to perceive, and to understand what's going on in our world in relationship to the word of God and the promise. It's now. Sometimes what we want to do is go, man, I'm, I just want to bury my head in the sand. I don't want to know anything about it. I don't want to. It gets me worked up. It, no, no, we shouldn't be living in fear. We should be living in faith. But we need to know the time. We need to know the time. Jesus, in the time that he walked the earth as a man, he rebuked the religious for not knowing the time. He rebuked them because they didn't know the time. He said, you look at the sky and you say it's red and this and the sun is something lowry, I think is a word that's used there. He says, you can, and you can discern all this, but you can't even discern the time. He was telling him, you should recognize what he was telling him. Look, I'm Messiah. I'm God come in the flesh and you don't even recognize I'm here because you're not perceiving the time. Matter of fact, he made this statement. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He said, I desired to gather you together like a hen would gather her chickens under her wing. He said, but you would not. And this was the statement he made about the people. He said, you don't know the hour of your visitation. You had a time that was given to you. They had to know their time as well, and they missed it. You didn't know the hour of your visitation. I'm telling you, we should know the time. There was those in the Old Testament of the tribe of Issachar, I believe. It says that they knew the time, but not only did they know the time, they knew what to do. We need to know the time. What happens, especially in North America, is we're aware for a moment, and then the news becomes repetitive almost to us. I'm not saying we need to dwell on it, linger on it, read everything that comes out. We just need to know the time. We can't become complacent or calloused to it to where we don't think, oh, it doesn't matter anymore. It matters. And this is what Paul was telling the church. You know the time. You see what's going on. You see it in the light of the word and in light of the spirit of God that dwells in you. You perceive in light of the word and what's taking place. You understand it in light of the word and the place of prayer with God. You know the time. And then he went after. That was first. That's primary. If you don't know the time, the rest of it's not going to make any sense. If you're not giving yourself to know and be aware of the time. But he said, because you know the time, because you recognize, hold on, what's happening in the Middle East is critical. What's happening here affects the world. What's going on is critical to the church. We need to be aware. Because you know the time, he said now. Everybody say now. now. 
Now. When's now? You know what? I think Paul wrote this because he knew something about human nature. Inspired by the Holy Ghost. Human nature procrastinates. How many of you have something right now that you had that is not done that you had planned to have done before November? Raise your hand. Now, I could go around the room, we're not, and say why isn't it done? Well, 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 procrastination. We are cheap procrastinators. This is not the hour for that. And this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, because you know the time, now it is high time. It's an interesting choice of words, twice mentioning time. High time means this present hour, the last hour, or this instant. Paul said, because you know the time, this instant, right now, It's time to do what? What's it time to do? I want you to notice he gives four things to do. And I feel like if there is ever an admonition to the church, it's here right now. It's interesting. He says this is the first thing you've got to do. You've got to awake out of sleep. What? Was the whole church at Rome in bed and he came to them preaching? Of course not. He was addressing the human condition. He said, the first thing you do is you have to awake out of sleep. You can't just keep going through the motions of life unaware. When you sleep, you are unconscious. Yes? This is what Paul's saying. You can't just keep walking through life without consciousness of what's going on. It's time right now to awake out of sleep. If I felt there was ever a word from the Lord for the church, it's this right now. We have to recognize what's going on and go, hold on a minute. I got to shake myself. My, my, my mind goes to Matthew 25 and the parable that Jesus told. Many of you know it. We find this parable in Matthew 25. It says there were ten virgins. Remember that story that Jesus told? Five of them were what? Wise. And five of them were what? Foolish. So you got ten virgins in there. Five wise and five foolish. And they're waiting for the coming of the groom, right? The coming of the bridegroom. And they're waiting. And something happened to all of them. All ten of them. All ten of them fell asleep. They were all asleep. But then the the noise came, making them aware. The bridegroom cometh. The bridegroom cometh. So they were aware of the hour now. Yes? The reality is the wise ones, though they had fallen asleep, somewhere along the journey between falling asleep, they had been wise enough to have oil. The foolish were those that thought, You know, when he comes, I'll get things in order. 
I'll have enough. When he comes then, not realizing when he came, they didn't have time to get oil then. They wanted those who had been wise and had oil. You understand an oil is typifying of the Holy Ghost, the indwelling of the Spirit. Oil is always significant of the Spirit. They said, hey, give us some of yours. And they're like, no, 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 no. You got to get your own lest he come and we not have. There comes a point in mine and your walk with God. We can't live off somebody else's relationship with God. I, we can't live on somebody else's relationship. We got to know the time and it's high time and we've got to awake out of sleep. I'm telling you, if you don't have oil in your lamp, you better wake up and get some now. If you're saying, well, I'm busy with stuff. I'm drawn. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to get through this year. 2024, I'm going to commit. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be waiting 60 days. Paul said, knowing the time. Now you say, man, are you telling me something's getting ready to happen? No, I'm just telling you it's time. Stop procrastinating. Stop putting off. Stop saying someday, one day, maybe. Now is the time to awake out of sleep. There's a work to be done. Where it says out of, it literally could be translated away from. Awake away from sleep. It is actually a changing of one's state. Going from a state of unconsciousness to a state of consciousness. That's what Paul is telling us. We need the Spirit of God and the Word of God to arrest our hearts. That says, Lord, where I have fallen into a place of slumber and unconsciousness spiritually. I pray by your Word and by your Spirit. Awaken me. Awaken us. Awaken the church to the hour. Awaken us from a place of sleep and slumber. I don't want laziness or slothfulness. I don't want to be sleeping and slumbering in this hour. Awaken us out of sleep. I can't help but think of these different places. Jacob in the Old Testament, he came to a place he later called Bethel. The Bible says he laid down there and he slept. And when he, he had a dream while he slept, he saw angels ascending and descending. And when he woke up, Jacob makes this statement. He says, surely the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. He was unaware because he was asleep. He was asleep. He did the right thing when he woke up. He built an altar. He built an altar. He sacrificed. He said, I'm getting my life in the right place. I was asleep when God showed up and I missed that moment. But I'm getting things right right now. I'm not moving. Now that I've woke up, I'm not going to go do some other stuff and come. I'm building an altar right here where I woke up. I'm making a sacrifice right here. And I'm not going to be found in this condition again. He awoke out of sleep. Proverbs chapter 6 and Proverbs chapter 24. We find the writer of wisdom declaring to us a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy want come. God forbid we would be spiritually asleep. So Paul said the first thing we got to do, we got to awake. I'm telling you, whatever it takes, shake yourself. 
shake yourself. We should be aware of the hour. And our priority above all should be lamps trimmed and burning. Right relationship with God. Walking in relationship with God. Why should we awake out of our sleep? Notice the word Paul used. Now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. He's close. He's close. He's close. It doesn't take much study to find that Israel is preparing for the coming Messiah. Israel is saying he's about to come. They're preparing, not realizing they missed him the first time. Awake. Look at your neighbor and say, let's wake up. Come on, look at him. Say, let's wake up. Amen. Let's go on here. Verse number 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. We can read over these words and miss the urgency in Paul's voice in a Paul's letter to them. I'm not going to blow your ears out, but I, I could imagine if he was in person rather than writing the letter, he would be saying, wake up, wake up. The night's almost over. It's the dawning of a new day. Wake up. Don't be found sleeping. Wake up. So he says to them, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. What's he talking about? Things have changed since you fell asleep and there's a new day dawning. Don't sleep through the dawning of the new day and miss that which you were shaped and what God died to rescue you from. Be awake. Be aware. There's a new day dawning. It's the coming of the Lord that's soon. Wake up. Now watch. He says, let us. Everybody say, let us. Let us, therefore, cast off. Everybody say, cast off. Let us cast off. What are we casting off? The works of darkness. Let us cast off the works of darkness. What is darkness? I find it interesting here. Let me read this to you. I wrote it down on my phone. The works of darkness. That word darkness, it's an interesting thing. Speaks of, in this respect here, where he's using it metaphorically, of ignorance, respecting divine things and human duties. Ignorance, just being unaware, being asleep. Darkness. And the accompanying, he says, it goes on, and the accompanying ungodliness and immorality together with their consequent misery. In hell. Darkness. He said cast off the works of darkness. The same word is used to describe people. In whom darkness becomes visible. And begins to influence their lives. Whether small or great. They open the door. Entertaining some of the things of this world. Darkness. 
and that begins to affect their life and hold sway in their life. It's the word he used. He said, hey, it's time to cast off. After you wake up, cast off the works of darkness. That word cast off there, we see it used in other places. I'm going to go quickly. Hebrews 12 and 1. We don't have to go there. I'll just quote. Many of you can quote it. The writer of Hebrews said, lay aside. Remember that verse? Lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us and let us run with. That word lay aside is the same word as cast off. Cast off. New Living Translation, if we can do that. James 1 and can't. Okay, that's all right. I told them beforehand, and they were going to check. James 1 and 21, I want to read to you from the New Living Translation. They'll put it up there in the King James. but Same word as cast off. Watch this in 1 and 21. So get rid of, that's cast off or lay apart. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen, verse 22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Paul said, wake up and cast off the works of darkness. The word that James used there in verse 21 is to get rid of. It's the same word, cast off works of darkness. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 1, we find the same word, cast off, except here it says, laying aside. means cast off. In the New Living Translation, it says, so get rid of all. Everybody say all. Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Cast off the works of darkness. Cast off these things. Lay aside these things. Put away these things. Peter's declaring it. James is declaring it. Paul was declaring it. And Paul said, when you recognize the time, it's now time. Wake up and cast some stuff off. Things you've made excuses for holding on to. Things you've made excuses for putting up with. Paul said, hey, you need to wake up and cast them off. Now I feel the Spirit of the Lord trying to arrest our attention and say, hey, it's closer than you think. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Wake up. Be aware of the time. Know the time. Now cast some stuff off. Don't make excuses any longer. And until you cast off, going back to the book of Romans, verse number 12. Chapter 13 and verse 12. Cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So here's Paul's admonition. First, what do we got to do? We got to wake up. So we got to become conscious of the time. First thing you got to do. 
Second thing you got to do is what? Cast off. off. This is an order. Can't jump to one without doing the, the preceding. So you wake up, you cast off, and then put on the armor of light. That word put on, I love it. It literally means to sink into. You know what I think of? <laughs> a hot tub. <laughs> I don't know why I think of that. <laughs> Maybe that just feels good right now. My knee sort of hurts. <laughs> you sink into it, right? It envelops you. That's the word that you put on, sink into, to be clothed with. Paul said, put on the armor of light. Hear me. You can't put on the armor of light if you have not cast off the works of darkness. Sometimes we like to try to do that. That's called hypocrisy. Because you can't truly, and isn't that what Peter said? Peter said that was one of the things we should lay aside was hypocrisy. I can't really put on the armor of light if I haven't first cast off the works of darkness. Okay? But to clothe oneself. Galatians 3 and 27. Can you go there quickly, please? Galatians 3 and 27. I'm just going to read three verses here. I want us to see this, putting on the armor of light. Same, same word here. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have done what? You have put on Christ. You have been clothed with Christ. Go to Ephesians 4 and 24. Ephesians 4 and 24. I'm making them work today. I love these guys so much. After this, we're going to go to Colossians 3. Ephesians 4 and 24, watch this. And that you put on, what are you putting on? The new man. Let me tell you something. You can't put on the new man unless you put off the old man. And sometimes what we want to do is we want to cover up the old man with the new man. That doesn't work. We have to put off the old man. we got to cast off the works of darkness. Sin is still sin. I have to cast it off. The blood of the Lamb made a way to wash me and cleanse me from all sin. I can't continually justify sin. If I do so, I'm not choosing to cast off. Notice he didn't say cast off darkness. He said cast off the works of darkness. It's what I'm doing, my works. Now, God is merciful. When I fail and I fall, I can come back to him and he'll forgive me. Aren't you thankful for that? But I better recognize, I better wake up, like Paul said, if I'm just justifying my sin over and over and over again. I need to wake up. And I need to cast that off. I need to be honest before God and say, God, I'm abusing your mercy and your blood. Rather than taking responsibility and saying, by your grace, I'm casting off some works of darkness. 
And I'm putting on the armor of light. So we see there in Ephesians 4 and 24, put on the new man. My screen went away. Put on the new man, which after God is created. This is how the new man, this is how you know you got the new man on. It's created in righteousness and true holiness. It's what the new man looks like and acts like. Colossians 3 and verse 12. Watch. You guys don't know how hard they work. They're, they're doing scriptures back there and they're moving the camera thing, trying to keep it there. God bless Brother Renee and Brother Jerry. Brother Jerry, it's a long reach up there too. So I love him. He left the room. so I just Watch. Watch Paul's admonition here. We're talking about putting on the armor of light. Colossians 3 and 12. Put on, therefore... Here's some things to put on. As the elect of God, this is you if you've been filled with the Spirit, you're the elect of God. Put on, therefore, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, the next verse, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you. So also do ye. These are things we ought to be putting on right now. These should be in our life as a new man who has put on Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Back to Romans 13 and I'm finishing. Romans 13 and 13. So you've woke up. You've cast off darkness. You've put on the armor of light. Then Paul said, now, let's walk. Let's walk. Sometimes we want to start walking and doing before we've woke up, cast off, and put on. But we need to do those things. We recognize the time. We stop making excuses. Can I just say this? If somebody hurts you and you're still carrying a grudge, you need to just move on. You need to just cast it off and forgive. It's too late. It really is. It's too late to be carrying that stuff. I'm not saying somebody did you right and it shouldn't wear. I'm just saying you got to cast some stuff off. It, don't let those things weigh you down. Don't let those things pull you down. Be saying, God, I'll cast it off. As you've forgiven me, I'll forgive. I cast it off. In Jesus' name. So once you've put on, now we got to walk. But then he tells us how to walk. Walk honestly. That word walk there doesn't mean like just like I'm walking around here. It literally translates to regulate and to conduct one's life. How you regulate your life and how you conduct your life. Paul said after you've woke up, cast off and put on, then begin to regulate and conduct your life honestly. You and I are called to regulate and to conduct our life 
honestly. And then he says what not to do. This is what's not in honesty. This is not good regulation of our life. Stand with me, please. Not in rioting. Anybody been rioting lately? I hope not. That word rioting there doesn't necessarily mean like you and I think of the word. That word rioting there means like reveling. You ever seen pictures or videos of like Mardi Gras where they're in the streets and that's reveling. That's the word here. It's like that. Don't be caught up in all that stuff. That's not becoming of someone who's put on light. Those are works of darkness. And drunkenness. I don't think that needs a whole lot of explanation. It doesn't just translate drunkenness. It translates intoxication. So anything that intoxicates. If I'm walking honestly, if I'm regulating and conducting my life honestly... I'm not allowing things that intoxicate. Some people are intoxicated by Hollywood. In case you're just thinking it's an alcohol or a drug. Some people are intoxicated by pornography. We need to let the Spirit of God work in our lives. Cast off those things. Regulate our life according to His Word. Don't walk in rioting or drunkenness or in chambering. Chambering's an interesting word, isn't it? I know most of you are going, it is. What is it? Am I cham- have I been chambering? What's chambering? I hope not. That word chambering there, you might recognize the first part of the word chamber. What's a chamber? A room. It's a room, right? Okay, chambering speaks of, it's an interesting, most people wouldn't like this, but it's here. Go look it up in the Greek. Chambering is cohabitation unlawfully. You didn't even know that was in the Bible, did you? That word chambering is unlawful cohabitation. It is adultery and fornication. Paul said, once you've put off darkness and put on light... You regulate your life. That's not in it. Adultery, fornication. It's not a part of your life. Wantonness. Don't you love all these old English words? Unbridled lust. Shamelessness. Excess. These are what we're not walking in any longer. Strife. Contention. You know where contention comes from? You ever have contention with somebody? Brother Ryan and I have no contention, I don't think. You know where contention comes from? One place, only one place. Pride. Pride. Scripture tells us this. This isn't my opinion. This is what the Scripture says. Only by pride. That's the Word of God. Only by pride cometh contention. No other way. It's because I think more of my opinion than I think of yours. That's pride. 
Only by pride cometh contention, strife. Once I have put on the armor of light, I don't walk in that anymore. I regulate my life. That's what it is to walk. And in the end, you know what it is. Now, all that was foundation for these last 30 seconds. Knowing the time. Knowing the time. We do not need to be revisiting these verses for our own lives. That makes sense. We should get this stuff in order, get to an altar, get our life on the altar, get this in order, and we should be reaching to a lost and dying world because we know the time. And if I'm spending all my time trying to fix myself, God will keep working on you and I. You understand. He doesn't kick us to the curb. We don't have to be perfect. We keep running to him, letting him mold and shape us. But I've got to move forward in my walk with God. I've got to get these things that Paul said in order in my life because there is a world to be reached. There are souls to be reached. And so when you and I are walking in the armor of light, it becomes a testimony to all those about us. Could we talk to the Lord right now? Please, would you talk to him? Would you be willing to examine your life and let God examine your life in light of the word of God tonight? I'm opening this altar to you. Come on, if you need to be wakened, would you maybe find a place and let the Lord waken you? If you need to cast off some things, there's an altar here. An altar is a place of dying. An altar is a place of sacrifice. An altar is a place where we can lay some things down to be crucified, to be mortified, not picked up again. Come on, we need to cast off these things and we need to put on some things. In the name of Jesus, 